Welcome to Generation Future Ready, Gen FR for short, a brand new podcast series that's powered by PetroScience and the KDU School of Communications and Creative Arts. With their powers combined, we have a great show where we're going to talk with industry leaders and experts on the challenges and opportunities of a fast-changing future. It doesn't hurt to wonder, how will our lives be impacted today? How should we equip ourselves with the right knowledge to be future-ready? All these questions and more as we explore and discover with our lineup of guests every week. So for this first month, our theme is on entrepreneurship and social innovation, where we explore a society where businesses are a force for good, inclusive, and create meaningful impact. And in our very first episode today, two exciting guests are here with us in the studio. They will be speaking with me about impact-driven enterprises, in short, businesses for good. So how is that possible? And if so, how and what are some of the opportunities and challenges ahead? And why are impact-driven enterprises increasingly important and popular, especially with the young Younger generation like ours. So let's welcome our guests. Wan Dazriak, the program director of the Malaysian so uh, Social Inclusion and Vibrant Entrepreneurship Massive at Malaysian Global Innovation and Creative Center Magic. Um, and Dr. Daniel Loy, the director of creative learning and innovation at PetroScience. Hello. Hello. So that's all the introduction around. Let's start with Dazriak. So you have a really long title. <laughs> you have a long title and I messed that up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you do at Magic, and what is Magic all about? Does it actually do anything with Magic? Right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for uh, having me here. Um, firstly, so <laughs> just just a bit of a quick introduction, I guess. So I actually work in Magic for about good uh, four years now. Oh wow! Yeah. So um, the whole intent of my portfolio is actually really try to do or try to cultivate or encourage people to do entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. but actually for good, uh, whether it's impacting the environment or the society. Um, hence why, I guess, the long title came about. <laughs> so it's uh, Social Inclusion and Vibrant Entrepreneurship. So cool. the whole intent was really trying to see if you do entrepreneurship um, by doing businesses or ventures, uh, but can you actually influence uh, people's lives or even, um, you know, contribute back to the environment so, so. it's all about positive contribution yes everything. yes that is yes. super cool yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and then <laughs> we've, we've seen and i'm happy to share later with regards to some of the uh practitioners or entrepreneurs that are actually doing that um and we hope to have more of those in malaysia especially for the youth and because you know youth are beyond just um creating profit money and you know profit maximization for themselves um, it's also about trying to create that, uh, contribute back to the society. So yeah, yeah. You, you want it to be something that just gives back. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I actually visited Magic on a field trip a couple of years ago, and it was such a nice atmosphere, you know? All right, yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah, but I can't do magic tricks, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. The true magic trick is giving back. <laughs> yes, you yes, know? yes. That's yes. right. So um, can you share a little bit about the current entrepreneurial ecosystem in Malaysia? Like, do we have a good mix of entrepreneurs spread across the different industries and sectors? Or is it all just kind of segregated into one particular industry? Right. So I, I guess there's a couple of uh, angles you're going to see this. So one is actually with regards to the startups or entrepreneurs that are associated to Magic. Mm -hmm. So when Magic was started, I think a lot of technopreneurs um, leveraged um, to Magic. Um, and that's because I think the startup scene was really about um, technology. Yeah. Um, you know, 
probably the highest growth rate is actually with regards to technology development. But where we see now after three or four years uh, since the inception of Magic, there's a bit more diversity um, with regards to ventures or startups that uh, people are more accustomed to. So there's also this notion of social entrepreneurship that uh, youth nowadays are more inclined to just be on just you know, making money in tech startup per se. So in terms of industries, and this is probably where we see uh, a lot more of social innovation uh, comes in, uh, but also leveraging you know, with stuff with regards to industrial revolution 4.0. So that doesn't mean tech uh, businesses or tech startup would be a standalone, um, but there's also an impactful element that entrepreneurs are leveraging um, technology um, and also trying to use technology to contribute back to society or environment. Um, so things around healthcare, things around smart cities, things around um, agriculture and even uh, fintech. Um, so those are the areas that we see more entrepreneurs are more inclined to be doing more of. Um, but there's always the social element, sorry, social innovation element infused within all those uh, common themes. And we foresee that I think Malaysia has the potential or the Malaysian youth has the potential of growing that space. Um, but now it's actually just making sure they have the right platform, the right guidance, the right opportunities of doing so. So I guess that's where magic you know, aspire to play that role in terms of nurturing and also ensuring the sustainability of these entrepreneurs uh, while they're venturing into these various sectors uh, that, you know, um, that complements to IR 4.0 moving forward. So okay. that's kind of interesting, I guess. And now to Dr. Daniel Loy from PetroScience. So can you tell us about what you do and uh, your department known as the Center of Learning and Innovation? Like, what does it do essentially? So my role at my team is really to help PetroScience as a science center be more ready. Um, to be more relevant and to also be um, playing a role that's more meaningful in society. So we have done a lot of stuff over the last 20 years of um, our ex existence, but I think we can do a lot more. And by looking at the new models, you know, new innovations and new approaches, this is how we can rally all together. That's really exciting. I, I like that everything is just coming together now. <laughs> You know, it, it's such a good feeling and it's just nice to see how everything's just flowing together and all mm -hmm. that. So, um, in the last few years, uh, I personally noticed, as somebody who's been going to PetroScience since I was like in kindergarten, <laughs> I noticed that PetroScience has been doing all sorts of new offerings, uh, more for the youth and young adults. It's more for that particular mm -hmm. audience. It gave me the kind of impression that PetroScience is reinventing itself towards a new direction. So, is that true? And if so, how? Well, we've always had... An approach that centers are for all, that we've been trying to be inclusive to all audiences. Um, but I think the previous style of uh, engagement is more we design something and then we open it up for other people to explore and experience it. Right. The change that's been quite significant is that we've been more involved with um, co-creation and really to work through communities and companies like with Magic mm -hmm. to make sure that our offerings are not only STEM-focused but also applicable and relevant to everyday life. Yeah. So perhaps that's why you see a bit more, you know, visible and more meaningful. Yeah, yeah. There, it's less on the... I, I guess it's just it doesn't seem so family-orientated and now it's more yeah. like, I'm here and it's there for me. That's great. That's it's a nice feeling. It's good. So, um, innovation is the buzzword for today, as we can tell. So, when it comes to social innovation, what does it actually mean? Can the both of you kind of break it down more for our listeners? So, we can start with Dr. Daniel. <laughs> well... With innovation, you know, it's always about the application of something that is different and creative and giving us a different result. 
With social innovation, it's quite interesting because it's not so much on the innovation element per se. The social world is the one that gives you a lot of construct. It kind of suggests that the innovation or the change comes from society, comes from people. It is a grounds-up innovation as opposed to a top-down uh, process. Right. So you see a lot of interesting things with social innovation because it's led by the people, it's led by necessity, it's led by need. So it's quite a very interesting space to be in. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Dr. Dan have done it, uh, have articulated it um, quite well. Uh, the, one, the only thing that I might add is actually social innovation is, uh, I mean, from a practitioner lens, it could be something taking existing technology or existing um, you know, applications, uh, improve on it just to uh, deliver better solutions uh, or products um, to the society, for example. So, um, you know, I think, I think an entrepreneurial lens is actually trying to do more of that as opposed to creating new products, but it's almost as a re-engineering of whatever is existing. Try to fit that um, to the current you know, atmosphere, market, or demand to that uh, extent. So basically, even the newest solutions are built on what's already existing and just kind of changing it for the situation. Yes. And also, you know, innovation is born out of need. It is born out of, like, what society is Employers. looking for at that moment. All right, so that's the buzzword innovation <laughs> for today. And I think that wraps up this first segment. So we are going to go just give the listeners a little break to have some chill tunes, and then we'll be right back. So you're listening to Generation Future Ready, powered by PetroScience and KDU, uh, School of Communication and Creative Arts. You're listening to KDU Campus Radio. You're listening to KDU Campus Radio. And welcome back to Generation Future Ready. I'm Sophie, and today here in the studio, we are here with Juan Dazric, the Program Director at the Malaysian Global Innovation and Creative Center, Creativity Center, MAGIC, and Dr. Daniel Loy, the Director of Center of Learning and Innovation at PetroScience. Um, this podcast is brought to you by PetroScience and in collaboration with KDU School of Communication and Creative Arts. And today's topic is Impact-Driven Enterprises. So, back to our guests. Desiric, mm-hmm. you work with many young and budding entrepreneurs. Can you tell us what the difference between an entrepreneur and a social entrepreneur is? We didn't really touch on it earlier, right. so like, what's the big difference aside from a word? So uh, I think entrepreneur, I think, it's, I think we've mentioned a bit about innovation, right? So a lot of things entrepreneurs try to do is actually um, trying to instill some form of creativity and innovation um, to whatever ventures they are doing. But I like to extend that, and the, this is probably the biggest um, distinguished uh, of what is an entrepreneur and social entrepreneur, right? So if, if I'm going to say to a layman, right, so a social entrepreneur has to have two key characteristics. So I would say that he or she has to have a heart of Mother Teresa <laughs> and a mind of uh, someone like uh, Richard Branson. So it's about having that business acumen, but have the heart to do good uh, through his or her businesses. So it's almost like having a two lens. And I'm going to give you a bit of an illustration. How is it different from Ooh. just uh, having a good heart, right? So mm. most people who have a good heart is just uh, by virtue of being a volunteer or start a non-government organization or just a foundation. Um, that is all well and uh, said but I think where social entrepreneurship slightly differ from that is actually it provides the lens of sustainability and that sustainability coming from the business model so a lot of social entrepreneurs when they came in not having the mindset of making 
profit maximization with mm-hmm. their business, but good enough to sustain. Um, so, and in Malaysia, we see a lot of contacts of NGOs, foundations, and stuff like that are yeah. becoming that self-sustaining um, just by virtue of they're not receiving um, significant amount of donation, they're not receiving significant amount of grants anymore. So they're kind of taking it into their own hands in yes, that sense. Yeah. So they've started to actually monetize um, their products and services. Right. Again, it's not about market competitiveness or market rate, whatever it is, but just good enough um, to sustain. Um, in that. I see that as an essence of principle of social entrepreneurship, um, and how it differs from a normal entrepreneurship is actually maybe um, you start your ventures, you wanna um, you know get a lot of investment opportunities and stuff like that, and exit as fast as you can, uh, as long as you make money. Um, so social entrepreneurship is having both of that business acumen, um, make profit, but also with the intent of doing good to the society or the environment. So. Again, hence why it's a heart of Mother <laughs> Teresa and, you know, uh, the mind of, mind of Richard Branson. Branson. Everyone always says Richard Branson when it comes to those kinds oh, of questions. Oh, it could be anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what kind of backgrounds do these social entrepreneurs usually come from? Like, is there a specific type of person that you see or is it a bit more diverse? So, I can say diverse, but most of it is actually coming from the youth or the Gen Y um, sort of space who really want to do good and also, you know... Uh, make money at the same time. Social entrepreneurship is really big right now. And let's say that if my friends or some of our listeners haha, have some good ideas that we feel can be the basis for a business that can address some of these issues, you know, something that we really feel that we can pour our heart and soul into it, it can help the community. So what programs do Magic have to help these aspiring social entrepreneurs who are passionate about these causes? I would start with an academy program and it could be just a workshops and uh, things around the basic fundamentals of um, running an entrepreneurship, businesses and stuff like that. So we do have uh, complementary programs to what uh, private sectors are doing. So I know um, PetroScience also are doing things around design thinking uh, and stuff like that, which, which I think could give a bit of a test background or basic knowledge in terms of, of how to start. Um, so... That's one. Secondly, is actually if, for example, um, you're full-fledged becoming or die-die want to become a social entrepreneur <laughs> or become an entrepreneur and stuff like that, we have a slightly longer program. Um, it's the accelerator program. Um, so the accelerator program probably ranging from six weeks to four months. Um, but that one, you probably have to be a bit more um, at a slightly more I guess merchant stage with regards to your businesses so you probably need to have a bit of a minimum viable product mm-hmm. you have start something that now is actually saying that look I have a product I have a solutions that I want to bring to market um, so within that six weeks or four months uh, would groom you like almost on a daily basis how do you do a business model how do you meet your customers marketing fundraising and even pitching to investors um, in that light but I guess the very basic that you could probably do is actually go to some of our academy programs, maybe the shorter ones, mm-hmm. see if it makes sense, see if this is something that you want to do in the long term. Uh, if it's not, then at least you know, you've know you learned something. If it's something that you say, okay, I'm passionate about, I want to do this more, um, then you could go to our longer programs in that sense. So the um, the longer program that you mentioned, um, sorry, what is the name of that? Uh, it's mostly it's our accelerator program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we at the moment we have two. One is actually global accelerator program. Mm-hmm. So this is where we have some of the Malaysians as well as some participants uh, coming from abroad. Um, to be part in that four months program. Okay. Um, secondly, is the impact-driven enterprise accelerator program. 
So this is a slightly shorter program. It's only about six weeks, uh, but six weeks in a sense is good enough to give a bit of a basic fundamental uh, knowledge or expertise in terms of how you should run your impact-driven uh, enterprises. Okay, all right. It's nice to know that there's like two different levels. So you know, depending on like how far you are in the game, yeah. it's yeah. kind of tailored yeah. to what you can and do. And some of the smaller programs like uh, design thinking, mm -hmm. blue ocean strategies, uh, marketing, the two, three days sort of courses is something that uh, we also offer um, just for dubbing. Uh, just sorry. for like a taste yeah, of it. Yeah, just for a taste of it and for budding entrepreneurs saying, okay, I want to try this and see if it, uh, if it makes sticks. sense. Yes. Hmm. I shall inform my friends about all these all these um, accelerators and also our listeners they can know about this so uh, Dr. Daniel how is PetroScience collaborating with Magic to promote social innovation and uh, why do you think it's important nowadays that company play a role in this kind of innovation so we set up the set of learning innovation in 2016 mm -hmm. and our first partner was actually Magic Ooh. so I mean it's symbolic and it's important for many reasons I think um, being in the space we kind of realized that there's a lot of change being hap happening across um, uh, society mm -hmm. and in the social innovation space with social entrepreneurs particularly, there's a lot of uh, hard, like Dalek said, a lot of good attempts to try to make the change uh, sustainable and visible, but oftentimes they may not, uh, they may overlap or they may be only in areas where it might be a bit more of a lower hanging fruit. So the challenge is this, how do you raise the um, profile of these um, social entrepreneurs? How do you challenge them to take up bigger challenges that are more meaningful and more, more difficult, but high returns. So with Magic, we work across a few fronts. Primarily, it's really to raise the, the visibility of STEM, mm. science, technology, engineering, and math, so that they, they take on projects or problems that are perhaps more important for society in the longer term, you know, not in five or ten years, but maybe 20, 30 years. Water scarcity, the air quality. Mm. These are things, that these are opportunities where oftentimes um, small entrepreneurs may not take up because it's, it sounds too big. But perhaps with more information, more support, they can consider it. So we have also provided some uh, more actionable um, support mm. in our gift shops in uh, KLCC. <laughs> we have a corner where we have, mm. um, we call it SE Corner or the Magic Corner. So where the uh, social enterprise from Magic can have a showcase or at least a retail front oh, in I've KLCC. Oh, I've seen it before. Yeah, great. I've seen yeah. it before, yeah. It's like this one area, right? Yeah, you can see all the magic colors around yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you can buy you know, anything from um, um, t-shirts to cookies to bags, you know. So there's, um, it's a good opportunity for public to be more informed and aware while doing the shopping. Yeah. Um, we also provide uh, mentorship to the accelerator programs and we provide access to our facilities, not only in KLCC but also in our satellite centers in Johor, Pahang, um, Sabah and Sarawak mm -hmm. for the entrepreneurs to have access to do programming or to do engagement with the public. Okay. So these are the ways that we have been uh, working together. Now in terms of why companies should support social innovation, I think it's something that is also very important for companies to look into because innovation is really for everybody. And a company who is invested in social innovation might find uh, new ideas for product and services you will keep them more relevant, I think, in the game. Yeah. And I think working together is ultimately the main goal. Mm. You know, solving society problems is not only for social entrepreneurs, it's for all of us, whether yeah. you're in government or whether yeah. you're in corporate. It is our, our role, right? it's one planet, it's one, respons one responsibility. So I think it's good to encourage this um, higher profile of um, these problems, these issues, and to support the whole space in general. So companies really should play a bigger part. Yeah, you, you want to make it seem more mainstream so that you know, more people be inclined to do it, definitely, right? Definitely. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. And um, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to play some really fun songs to kind of fit the mood. You know, innovative songs, I guess. <laughs> and then uh, we're going to be right back. So you're listening to Generation Future Ready, um, powered by PetroScience and KDU School of Communication and Creative Arts. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Generation Future Ready. I'm Sophie, and today in the studio with us are Wan Dazrik, the Program Director at the Malaysian Global Innovation and Creativity Centre. Dazrik, I got that right this time. <laughs> and Dr. Daniel Loy, the Director of Centre of Learning and Innovation at PetroScience. Today's topic is impact-driven enterprises. And right now, we are going to um, kind of play a little game. The game is called Have You Never Ever? The idea of the game is that we're going to get to know you both a little bit better and um, I'll ask you some questions and I want you to answer honestly and quickly. If you've done it before, you say, I have, and you can kind of raise your little sign. And if you have not done it, you say, never, and you can raise the other side of your little sign. So are you both ready? Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So first question, have you never, ever done badly in your studies? I have, I have done badly. Okay. <laughs> we all have. We all have done badly. So, um, which subject really kind of got you? And uh, yeah, how did that go? Also, at what point in your life, actually? That's another good question. Uh, for me, it was chemistry. <laughs> oh. And uh, I guess in uh, Form 4, 5, I really suck at it. I can't really make sense of all the neutrons and electrons and, uh, you know, chemistry tables and stuff like that I could just so you did pure science when you're about to do your SPS oh no I did uh, IT science oh so okay yeah so part of that was uh, physics and uh, chemistry but I just can't make sense of chemistry (laughs) all the formulas so I I really had to just memorize and not (laughs) not take a lot of appreciation out of it so that's probably my biggest struggle Uh, but I passed though but you know it's not a uh, <laughs> it's not a, a commendable grade, but I just say I pass. Well, the thing is that you did it, you made it out alive, and that's the important part. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. but I never appreciate it. So, <laughs> so Dr. Daniel, how about you? Um, well, let me start off by saying that it's okay to fail in class in school. It is. And I will recommend it heavily as an educator. Um, it's an experience that I think is uh, much more enriching than opposed to just passing everything. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't know how to progress if you haven't failed before. Exactly, that's just how right? it is. So, yeah, well, I, I have a lot of ups and downs in school. Um, I, I never really enjoyed school. Uh, so there were points in my life in school where I would be in the top 10 in the class. There were some points where the top last five in the class. It would depend on my mood, honestly. <laughs> so I did well in most subjects except for math. I didn't do so well in um, moral and history. Um, it really changes according to the year, honestly. So I think the, the issue with this is that we learn at different times and at a different pace. Yes. School compresses that into that one duration. So I think it's only fair that kids understand mm. that you know if you don't do well at one point of your life, it's okay. You may do well the next part of your life. Just have the openness ready. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, sixteen-year-old me is like, if she was uh, listening to this, like she'd be freaking out. Because, <laughs> you know, like when you're in that bubble of school, it's like if you fail, you die. Yeah. I know. Yeah. 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 You have to break the bubble. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So our next question is. Have you uh, never ever faced a career dilemma? I have, I have faced a career dilemma. You both have. <laughs> so share with us your experience on how you overcame that. <laughs> so um, there's, I guess, two points for me. So one is actually after I graduated. Oh. So I actually studied uh, international business, commercial law, and money and finance oh. for some reason. <laughs> and none of them are practicing it today. <laughs> um, but when I started... Back then, so when I finished studying back then, so I was wondering whether should I go to, you know, the big fours, the banks or, um, you know, accounting firms and stuff like that. But then I decided to 
um, explore the management consulting um, side of it because I thought that's a more vibrant and dynamic um, industries to that and it gives me the opportunity to learn more on the job um, as opposed of you know doing audit work for two three years and, you know. <laughs> um, so that was one so I kind of like made the decision and, I, and I'm happy that I made the decision because I think aside from you know papers, qualifications and stuff like that, um, students or youth or individuals should actually see what's the most value added uh, when they do the job. Mm. And that's beyond the routine job and um, you know what they really want to get out of from that uh, career. Um, so that was kind of like my mindset when I even started. So the second point was actually when I joined Magic, especially on the social entrepreneurship space, I kind of like well known that you know what is the social enterprise space is not even existence when it's back in 2015 mm. um, so people were a bit skeptical if I was saying if I'm sharing my thoughts like you know how, how do you want to make business and do good isn't that like a oxymoron <laughs> right? you can't do good while do business and stuff like that so so I kind of like took that as like a challenge and and I kind of like use that as a motivation for me to be part in the social entrepreneurship space back in 2015 and also, I guess, and this is me reflecting, I think that move was actually a key point for me as well. Because otherwise, I would be staying in corporate for the longest time. Uh, and I might not satisfy my passion um, um, in terms of exploring, doing business for good. So that was my career dilemma. But I, I, I didn't, you know what, and my, and this is probably my advice also, if you think that, uh, you want to do something, just do it. I mean, it could work, it could not work, but at least you try, as opposed of not yeah. trying and you regret about it. So I think so far, I mean, I've been blessed with the opportunities that I have and I think, um, you know, that's kind of like my advice. Like, just do it and see how it goes, I guess. Yeah. And as we were saying earlier, even if you don't uh, succeed, you learn from it. Yes. That's yeah. the important thing. So there's always something to take away from it. Yeah. Uh, that being said, Dr. Daniel, so what was your career dilemma? <laughs> well, my first job was in a startup. So in a startup, it were, there were five of us, um, one founder and then Ooh, four employees. Startup. Yeah, very small startup. And in a, in a size that's small, you do everything and anything. Yeah. Um, so it was a great learning experience. Um, it was decent, decent pay, but it wasn't something I loved. I, I didn't enjoy it because oh. of the nature of the work and the nature of the, the way the company was run. So I had to make a decision about leaving the company. And because when, you, when you're first in the first job, you know, money is important and you are struggling to make ends meet. Oh, yeah. It. And then, like, when you want to leave it, it's yeah. like, should yeah. I, should I not? So I actually had to make a, a quite a severe pay cut to make a leap into an industry that I like, which was education. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never regretted it since. You know, it was really for the better. Um, you, cannot, you cannot stay in a place where you don't have the heart for it or yeah. it doesn't make any sense to you. So yes, you know, you have to cut down on certain expenses and live a bit more frugally for a few more years, but <laughs> it was for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Like, you were able to do your passion. Because <laughs> a lot of people are off the mindset that like, oh, if I'm going to do a business, then like, it's got to be something that pays well, but they don't really think about like their heart, yeah. if it's in it or not. We are going to go back to some music, and then we are going to enter our final talk set. So you've been listening to Generation Future Ready, um, powered by PetroScience and KDU School of Communication and Creative Arts. You're listening to KDU Campus Radio. 
And welcome back to the final segment of Generation Future Ready with me, Sophie. This podcast is presented by PetroScience and KDU School of Communication and Creative Arts. So the show is almost over, and uh, the show is over. And before it is, we are going to dig a little deeper into the minds of our esteemed guests and get some advice from the both of them. The idea of building a startup is slowly becoming very appealing to the general public,、um, especially the youth, right? As we've talked about,、um, they see it. My friends, especially, and I guess some of our listeners, they see being an entrepreneur or social entrepreneur, maybe that's very like sexy and cool because it's this new hot thing, and you're not necessarily tied down to a corporate entity or whatever, right? Sometimes they forget that entrepreneurship in general, it's really a lot of hard work.、Mm. I think maybe nine out of ten startups don't actually make it in、mm. today's market.、Um, you really need the discipline to make sure it stays running, let alone get it off the ground. Everybody can have an idea,、mm. not everybody can make it successful, right? So, in your experience, the both of you. What are some of the challenges that you can expect as an, an entrepreneur, and、um, how can a startup be sustainable? Probably give us three quick inputs,、uh, three points、uh, mm-hmm. with regards to that. One is actually be very clear in terms of why you want to start to begin with, because that set the tone. Sorry, set set the tone、um, of how you're going to progress moving forward. So, is it you want to start a startup to make money?、Mm-hmm. Is it you want to start a startup to you know do good? While doing business and stuff like that, because whatever the business model you're going to apply, whatever the challenges that、uh, may come,、um, if you have the right intent and passion, chances are you're going to resilient. You'll be resilient,、um, and chances are you're going to be you'll be persevering through.、Um, even if you change your business model, even if you change, but you、um, your you know your dynamics, your team might change and stuff like that. But as long as you have that intent, your core intent is、uh, intact. Chances are you will be successful anyway.、Um, secondly, is with regard. So I think we, the common themes of this se- session was failing, right? So I know in Malaysian culture, probably failure is seem like a taboo to some extent. If you if if you know you're gonna fail, you're not gonna start, or at least that's what you know we've been told、uh, most of the time. But again, what Doctor Daniel and myself have been saying is actually it's okay to fail, but know your limits. Ah,、uh, know your sort of comfort. Sort of perimeters, I guess. So not to say that you should fail in school, <laughs>、uh, but you know you need to have a good balance in terms of knowing what you know, basically your risk level at, and what's your、uh, comprehension、uh, of what that that failure means to you, and how you're going to progress along. So failing is okay for as long as you learn something or you get something out of it. Because I see failure as a journey.、Um, it's something as a Lessons that probably you would learn or you would actually value for the rest of your life because、uh, you know,、uh, as opposed to spoon feeding.、Right? Yeah. So、um, the third one is making it sustainable. It's this is with regards to character.、Um, be professional.、Um, chances are, even if you're growing and stuff like that,、uh, you probably get a bit of. Distractions, I guess, with all the <laughs> medias or the marketing、yeah. side of it, or you know, people want to tell stories out of you and stuff. But I think you need to have a certain of professionalism,、um, and even if it's running a startup, so it's not just corporates or government. But you know, once people see that of you,、um, you build your own character,、um, and I think that's more important than the hard skills of doing business model, financials, and stuff like that, because that would actually set the foundation. Regardless of what stage you are in, whether you're just starting or you're growing your startup or you know doing mergers or even exist exiting,、um, I think that's probably the, the the key three areas that、um, 
would actually thrive you moving forward. I guess one of the main things to take away is like fail, but with value and yes. purpose. Yeah, <laughs> and intent with the right character, you'll probably be all right. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, what about you, Doctor Daniel? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I echo that a lot in the sense that a lot of people see entre- entrepreneurship as a um, as a process. Uh, it's a metaphor. It's like uh, shooting an arrow at, 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 at a target. Mm. Right. It's like you want to hit it at one go, you know, with one clear direction and one clear purpose. But it's not like that at all. For me, it's more like a river, crossing a river on lily pads, like a frog. You lip, 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 lip. You might fall a bit, you might struggle a bit, but then you find another lily pad and you, you hop on again. But you want to reach the, the other end of the river. So it's not a direct route, I feel. It is a route that may have a lot of obstacles along the way. And some of these are necessary obstacles because there are changes every time in society, in demographics, in demands and needs. So you have to adapt to that. Mm. Your solution today might not be relevant in 20 years. So you cannot be mm. so hard-headed on your solution yeah. that you forget about everything else. So I think the whole idea of intent is that you have a clear mission of what you're trying to help and solve, but you are able to respond to that mission in various ways that makes, make, makes sense to the business. So I think that's a whole journey. It might not be as sexy as you know, like hitting an arrow. Folks on Lily Pad, not sexy at all. <laughs> but that's a whole process, I feel. And I think that if um, entrepreneurs understand that, they'll be more open to failing as a, as a process as, as opposed to failing as failing. What do the both of you hope to see more? in entrepreneurship and social innovation I in I think for Malaysia. me there's two facets to this question. Um, in terms of the entrepreneurs, I would like to see more people who are more ready mm-hmm. and more courageous. And let me explain that a little bit. So I think entrepreneurship is a bit like, um, it's a journey like we, we talk about. And oftentimes people try to jump into it because they think it's something that they can do right away. Yeah. It's not like, you can't, you can't learn how to swim by jumping into a pool. <laughs> yeah. Or you shouldn't do that. You know, so <laughs> I always feel that, you know, like that is said, in magic, there's like the academic, academic programs. There are many small things you can do first to kind of really test the waters, build your, your business viability, have some, you know, um, validation in terms of uh, doing some prototypes of the product. Take the small steps as much as you can before really making a big step. And this will be helped. This will be very useful in the early part of the business. And in terms of being more courageous, you know, a lot of times there are, there are attempts to look into convenient problems, things that like you know faster shipping, you know door door to door delivery. Those things sound easy to do, but there are, there's lots of people doing that already. It's also useful to also consider you know some bigger problems, and bigger problems might be more challenging, but if it's more meaningful, you find more support. People are willing to come uh, on board with you and help you out because you know you're solving a bigger issue than just a convenience issue. So I think it's good to see entrepreneurs in Malaysia being taking out these bigger challenges, you know. Not looking from a very, very small lens, but seeing themselves as a contributor to a, a global issue or a bigger issue. And they will find that the support will be there waiting for them if they are more ready. Okay, all right. So it's basically all about like, um, don't be afraid to kind of build that foundation before no, you take the big step. you should step. do that, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So Dasrik, what do you think? Like, uh, I have a similar view to that. Um, I, I think there's sort of three components that I want to see um, how entrepreneurship in Malaysia should basically grow or aspire to be. One is actually with regards to talent. And again, I know we spoke about in terms of youth movement and youth uh, contributions to this. I think uh, one of the key mainstream uh, workforce moving forward could be in the entrepreneurship sector. Um, so I think there's, there's a huge potential there and I hope that with 
um, the amount of talent, the diversity of talent um, into the entrepreneurship space will actually make Malaysia as a front front runner, uh, at least in ASEAN, to sort of spur um, the entrepreneurship practices. Second, with regards to knowledge, um, and I think it's kind of like very closely related to talent. So knowledge it can come from um, you know thought leadership uh, about experiencing new technologies or being innovative about it. So I think youth has a lot of capacity in terms of doing that um, and have a better receptiveness um, to try new things uh, or be, be bold about um, doing things. And the last thing is, is with regards to capital. So capital, it could be in terms of uh, funding, resources and stuff like that. So I think this is where the corporates and also the public sector uh, might be a bit more interested uh, moving forward because I think and this is tied to the social innovation front because as I believe that as Malaysia is progressing towards the becoming a developed nation uh, one of the key areas is actually being innovative in the social space so I would imagine um, the government at some point will actually look into the entrepreneurship space to solve certain uh, social issues or deliver more effectively in terms of social welfare so I think entrepreneurs can play that role as a means in bridging that gap. Uh, private sector also, when we spoke about corporate innovation, uh, entrepreneurship is actually a sort of element in driving or being a catalytic role in terms of innovation uh, for corporate. So I'm hopeful and also optimistic within the next uh, five or ten years, uh, if, if I may, um, to see the entrepreneurship space grow um, exponentially that was really great it's been wonderful to chat with the both of you um, it is definitely inspiring to know that businesses are not just for profit but can and they should contribute to social good and um, now that there are these programs such as massive and idea by mad so next week we'll be speaking with two social entrepreneurs themselves tackling the issues on waste management and sustainability so i hope both of you can tune in to listen to that one <laughs> and if you want to know who then you're just going to have to tune in next week to find out so don't forget to listen out for us, same day, same time. The show is also available for download on our Facebook page. And until then, I am Sophie, and you're listening to Generation Future Ready. The future is upon us, so remember to stay ready. You're listening to KU Campus Radio.